Welcome to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that is different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clue series. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We are also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. We believe well-designed employee benefit programs enhance people's lives. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host and business partner, the fantastic Al McDonald. Al, how's your day going? It's going well, Robin. And as we speak here, we're almost hard to believe, but uh, we're we're getting close to the end of summer already. Hard to believe how quickly, especially the nice weather in the summer goes by. You know, when August, mid-August rolls around, you, you begin thinking about uh, the summer ending. And and unlike most years, the CNE is usually opening up in the next little while. And that, that sort of uh, indicates the end of summer, but it's not happening this year, but certainly hopefully we can get back to that next year. Well, I'm excited to talk to today's guest. Today's guest is Evan Hallward, co-founder at Aboard. And Aboard is an onboarding and engagement platform for growing innovative teams. And Evan's going to tell us a lot more about that. Welcome to the show, Evan. Thanks, Robin. Well, Evan, I got to send a special shout out to Christine Song for the introduction. And uh, for anyone interested, Christine has fantastic posts on LinkedIn. So if you're in the business community, she's a great person to follow. Always really insightful posts. So I'll have to thank Christine for that. So Evan, why don't we jump into it? Tell us what's a board? What is a board? And, And how did the idea for the business come about? Yeah, thanks, Robin. I mean, I think you, you kind of gave the the one liner. So, starting, we help small to medium sized businesses scaling startups with setting up and delivering really great employee experiences. And for us, the employee experience starts with onboarding, such a crucial part of the time that that employee will spend with your company. And so, when it came to the idea for the business, just starting with me personally, I truly believe that tech can solve everything. I'm totally bought in. I am a true believer. I know some people may say that, but that really, with that attitude, I I started working in the tech space just over seven years ago. I've worked between startups to enterprise Fortune 500 companies. Me personally, always being in sales and customer-facing roles is how I've kind of spent my career. And through that, working in those different work environments, uh, large and small, I've always felt that the welcome was quite rocky. And when I say welcome, of course, I'm talking about onboarding. And as that thing that sets the scene for the rest of your time with your employer, there just had to be a better way, a, a room for improvement. So to jump back a little bit, I met my co-founder and best friend, Lee McDonald, over five years ago at a tech event in Toronto. We had the opportunity to work together twice in our careers, first time at a small digital agency and second time most recently at a Toronto-based uh, digital identity startup. And I just kind of want to make a side note on, on co-founders. I think this is talked a lot about in the business community and startups. It's not easy to find someone that you can work with you know, every day and then still maybe want to go and grab a beer with at the end of it all. And so I, I feel kind of very fortunate that, that I met Lee and we managed to kind of build a, a friendship first and working together first and everything like that before a board even became a thing. 
But back to a board in late 2019 was actually when Lee and I were sitting at a park talking about sort of what we were seeing in the workspace, what we were seeing, what problems we were experiencing and feeling. And Lee in particular was helping to grow this startup we were at using an operations role. And while the company grew, we were also experiencing a fair amount of turnover and for a small team, it's hard. Obviously, your your every hire counts, every individual counts, and so to have anyone leave can be fairly impactful. So we're we're there. We're talking about sort of some of the things we're observing, and we almost had that movie moment. And we have like a, a sheet of paper, and we're like writing stuff. There's arrows everywhere, and we're circling things. And we all sort of came back to onboarding. We're like, well, onboarding, onboarding, like it's such a crucial time, and you can't mess it up. It's like going on a first date, and you know, you show up, and you're kind of half dressed and things are all over the place. You're a total mess. I mean, that's the experience that at least Lee and I had experienced and seen and we're seeing, you know, both from personal and through talking to others. So spent kind of 2019 and into 2020 talking to HR professionals, of course, the individuals who typically have to manage and quarterback the onboarding process. And while we were doing that primary research, the pandemic hit. And that was a bit of a, an oh shit moment because all of a sudden, onboarding became that much harder to do on top of so much else, but onboarding in particular. Companies still had to hire, still had to grow, still had to backfill positions. And so we sort of kind of felt, okay, this idea you know, was already starting to formulate. And then the pandemic really gave us an opportunity just to accelerate it and figure things out. I wanted to jump in there because there was something yeah. that uh, Evan touched on that I would really wanted to talk about and that you and your business partner were best friends and you went for beers together and you sat in the park together. I'm feeling a little bit jealous here. And, and maybe maybe after the podcast, Al and I can talk about going to the park together and becoming best <laughs> friends. And I, I, I say that in jest, but you're, you're absolutely right. Whether you're talking about a co-founder or a business partner, it is incredibly challenging to find business partners that you actually like, you get along with, you can run the business together. And me, Al and Joe, and, and Joe doesn't participate in the podcast, but we came together in 2005. And, and thankfully we grew as a firm together. And that's not something easy to do. And, and Evan, I think, you know, in your career journey, you've probably seen and heard the stories about partnerships or, or core founders that it just, it doesn't work out well. So I think that's a good point, especially for people coming into the business, thinking about the entrepreneurial journey that takes time. And it's not something to jump into lightly. And fortunately I'm in a situation where this many years later, I mean, I'm still very fortunate to have the, the partners that I have. So I think, I think that was important. The other thing that I wanted to just touch on was the employee experience. And in my world as an employee benefit consultant, I would often talk about the employee experience and, and creating that engagement with benefits. But, you know, having chatted with you, even offline, I realized that engagement and that experience starts long before the benefits are in place. And you're so right. And I'm thinking about our, our own firm, about how we onboarded someone. And I think we did an okay job. They might say a little bit different, but there was nothing formal in place to kind of guide that experience along the way and celebrate amongst the team. Hey, this is a great event and, and we're bringing this person on. So I think what you're doing is incredibly valuable. And you stole my thunder a little bit there, Robin, because I was going to mention the same thing, obviously having just brought someone new on. And, and like you said, I think we did a good job, but at the same time, Evan, you mentioned yourself, a small company, that's not our role. That's not, we've got other things that we're doing. So, you know, having someone in place that does that for you, like what you're doing, um, I can see that uh, a lot of small businesses would jump on board with that uh, 
see what I did there, jump on board with that um, and, <laughs> and be able to, to use that. But um, the other thing you talked about but just before we started recording here was that you had already started down this path and then COVID hit. So that was a bit of a shock. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like being a startup during the whole COVID episode? Yeah, thanks for that question, Al. My heart goes out to startup founders, you know, people who maybe were just getting a project off the ground, a new venture off the ground when COVID hit, because you know, that's like there's not not in a million years can you plan for that. Is that it's not something we've ever experienced, you know? I'm I count ourselves very fortunate, you know, being a what I call COVID startup, air quotations, but we were still really just getting started at that time. So we you know, didn't have a lot of employees didn't have a whole operation, you know, weren't really focused around physical workspaces. So for us, like we got so lucky, which I know sounds weird talking about a global pandemic, but the timing of it really, it came just as we were really trying to invest our time and energy. An early stage company during COVID for us, it just gave us more time to dedicate to the venture. We were, of course, still moonlighting. We had our full-time jobs. So all of a sudden, gone are the commutes, gone are the events, the social gatherings, the traveling, like everything, just done, gone. So of course, we're like, oh, well, we have all this free time and we have this like awesome business idea that you know definitely has legs. Let's invest ourselves and let's try to make it happen. So that, that would in kind of a silver lining. And, and I think we were very fortunate not having too much set up already that we had to throw away. Now, some of the difficulties of starting a business during COVID and kind of running with it has been, of course, the, the enhanced level of isolation that everyone says, you know, being an entrepreneur, being a, a business owner, which I'm sure, you know, everyone here can agree with, can be very isolating sometimes, you know, you're not part of some big comfy company that has lots of funding and whatever, someone else is taking care of the paycheck. It's like, it's you versus the world. And so where there isn't that ability to have a community to sort of hang out, shoot the shit and, and catch up and stuff, you know, I was at times very isolating and, and, and made things a little harder. And the only other thing I'd mention is as a COVID startup, the networking of it, while can be overdone, you know, I think some people love to be the entrepreneurs that just walk around talking about being an entrepreneur, but maybe not actually doing a lot of it. But I will say sometimes it, you know, it is nice to meet people. It's nice to meet maybe investors in person, customers in person, potential employees, even if you're going to work from home, being able to do some in-person interactions. So sure, that's that's been uh, one of the other inhibitors, I'd say. So you talked about being an entrepreneur and, and I'm always interested to hear this story because Evan, I don't know if you've heard it before and I've heard it certainly many times over the years. I get together with a, with a fellow for lunch every Christmas and we talk and it's the same conversation every year. The path that he went was into a salaried position and does very well and has the share purchase and the, and the pension and the, and the full benefits and has made a great career. But I hear the same thing. Oh, Rob, you own your own business. Oh, you're so lucky. And, you know, they don't see the ups and downs, that roller coaster ride, and you're pulling your hair out and going home and thinking, what the heck am I doing? So maybe just talk to us a little bit about why you went down this road. It sounds like you've gone down this road a couple of times, but why you continue to go down that entrepreneurial road, because it's not for everybody. Yeah. I love that anecdote. Thanks for sharing. I mean, I talked to some of my, you know, my counterparts too, who are in similar positions or just that they're cool jobs, a lot of tech companies too, you know, cool tech companies doing cool things and growing. And, you know, I, I say power to them. For me, you know, the entrepreneurship decision, I guess the path, I was not the guy selling candy bars out of my high school locker. I can't say I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. I'm not going to pretend and, you know, walk around like that, but it's always been in the back of my head. I'm fortunate to have some family members who are entrepreneurs. So, you know, getting sort of that that role model, that understanding of what it means. For me, one of the main ingredients is really that independence. I mean, the, the autonomy of it, you are 
your own boss. I know it's sort of a cliche thing to say, but you really, you know, while you could have a job and have a lot of autonomy in that role, I mean, entrepreneurship is that to the extreme, you know, you literally, your ownership like is on a piece of paper percentage wise. And, you know, there's, there's common stock and all that. And the impact that you have on your job, again, is to the extreme. I mean, you literally can make a decision one week and the next week reverse that decision. And that's your choice. I mean, it's your business. So the independence and the ownership, I think, has really been fulfilling for me on this journey. One anecdote I say, and obviously when you think of starting your own business, you know, on top of maybe the intrinsic, the emotional, the feeling, uh, my aunt always tells me, you know, that's the wealth generator. That's how you get rich these days is by starting a business. So of course, if you're in it for the financial gain or you're just looking for financial gain, it's a risky but very exciting way to, to go for that. And, you know, the last thing I'd say on that is really... Today's day and age, and and again, as a diehard techie, I feel like it's never been easier to start a business. We incorporated our company using an online platform in like an hour, $1,000. Website, we did it in like Webflow, like total no-code website builder. So we had a website up and running in like two weeks. Like I did that. I never built a website. So that was quite shocking. So I, I just feel that the the tools, the the resources, the the channels for starting a business and opening, you know, really getting one going has never been easier, never been lower. And especially the environment we're in now, I mean, working remotely. I've always dabbled in working remotely just because, you know, dealing with a global clientele, you know, dealing with U.S. parents, and I mean, U.S. parent companies dealing with their Canadian operations, but, you know, having the discussions with the U.S. parent who's making that decision or, you know, dealing with the U.K. Well, I wasn't flying out to the U.K. I was I was doing this. So I think you're right. I mean, with technology and with the way the world has changed, technology has really enabled us to do things that we weren't able to do before. So even us, our business, which is very traditional, employee benefits consulting on our side, financial planning, estate planning, that has changed. I mean, the ability for us to have meaningful meetings through the use of technology has been incredible because quite honestly, Evan, I have always been my entire career, a face-to-face guy. And I still believe that's probably the best way to interact with people. And I was worried about losing that ability to create relationships through the screen. And I got an opportunity pretty early on in, in the pandemic where a new lead came in hey, you know, reach out, say hi, do a discovery meeting, do the presentation and all the way through the entire pipeline to creating a customer. And the relationship is so strong. And and I think that was important to see early on that, hey, we can still do this. And an example of this is the second time you and I are chatting and and right from the get-go, we had a good rapport and I think we're building a good relationship here. So I think using technology and especially companies who might've been a little bit slower to adapt to that technology, this is the way of the future. And I mean, I'm not saying we're not going back to face-to-face, but certainly making use of this from our standpoint has made us a much more efficient company. And I think I can actually do more for my clients now that I have those efficiencies. So you're, what you were talking about just uh, in your last answer about how easy it was to get set up on a new business and everything. That's a great segue for my next question, because I just wanted to ask, how do you come up with your ideas? You know, you talked about even for this company that you were sitting down and sketching out some, you know, arrows everywhere and everything. So how do you get your new ideas and and how do you get to the point where you say, hey, you know what, this would be a, a great business venture? Yeah, thanks for that, Al. I sort of a jot down this keep it simple, stupid formula. So KISS, which is to say, when trying to come up with new ideas, new goals, don't necessarily think you need to, you know, oh, we're going to create the AI, you know, connected to machine learning that's going to reinvent this. And I mean, really just 
be curious, dig deep, maybe start with a very broad problem and continue digging until you can get to a more niche problem or something that's a bit more accessible in the immediate. And so it is the idea that if you're interested in entrepreneurship or you want to start your own business, or you just think you have a knack for it, or maybe there's a subject that you're just super passionate about, very expert in, yeah, just be curious about what the problems are, what the pains are, what could be done infinitely better. I know that's kind of a broad way of saying it, but I feel that it's sort of an innateness that you want to build into your mentality just to look at things and be very critical in a sense and be very curious about how it could be done better. And, And I think taking that to the next kind of level is once you have maybe an idea, once you have generated something, what really helped me was creating an accountability structure. So that really came, and again, shout out to Lee, my business partner, you know, he and I started in the park and it kind of kept going, but we just, we made sure that we were continuing that conversation, making sure we were continuing to talk, you know, on the weekend, okay, we're going to meet up, we're going to do this. Hey, you go do that. I'll go do this. And let's come back together in a week. And it felt like nothing at the time, but of course it's like that snowball rolling down the hill. It just got bigger, bigger, bigger until we literally quit our jobs and decided to to pursue this. So, you know, accountability, maybe it's a business partner if you're lucky enough to have someone who's who's on it with you or even just friends or family. The last thing I'll say about that, I generate ideas, generating goals. And, and I think this sort of came naturally for Lee and I. We're both very extroverted, outgoing people, but you need to talk to people. You need to have conversations with others. It's through that human interaction that you might learn something new, that the aha moment, you sitting alone in a boardroom, you know, sketching for hours and hours on end may not be the most effective approach. I'll add to that as well. Some of my greatest epiphanies for the company, which have shaped the direction of the company, have rarely come from inside the company when I'm sitting in the boardroom trying to force those, you know, those ideas to come. It's usually when I take time away from the business, I can focus. And in past years when we could travel, and hopefully we're getting back to that, but in past years, some of the greatest ideas I've ever come up with have come sitting on the beach because it allows me to time away from the business where those ideas can bubble to the surface. So for entrepreneurs, I mean, working hard and having great business partners to bounce ideas off of and centers of influence and people outside of your business often give you great insights because they are outside and they can maybe see things that you can't see. So I always, I always recommend that. I've got a final question for you because I'm always interested in this, especially now. I mean, it seems there's two themes running in, in my industry in the employee benefits industry. One is the war for talent, the great resignation that people talk about, especially with U.S. firms coming in, especially in tech with deep pockets, hiring a lot of talent in Toronto. But the other theme is around mental health and how important that is. And that's become especially important throughout the pandemic. So what does someone like Evan, who's running a company, who's driving, who's meeting in parks and, and coming up with ideas... What do you do in your downtime? How do you just make sure you get that mental break when you need it? It's funny, you know, as a business owner, as the two of you would understand, anyone else listening would understand, you know, you kind of feel that it's hard to sort of separate your life from your business. Like you're just, it's on your mind. You go to bed thinking about it. You wake up thinking about it. You're eating lunch, you're thinking about it. So I do think it's huge and very important to, of course, take that time, take the step back. I'm big into outdoors, just, you know, being in nature. And as a technologist, it's kind of funny. I love being in front of my computer. I'm fine with screen time. I don't care about anything else, but it really does help to get outside, move your body, exercise, 
talk to other people, you know, sort of going back to that last point, I do love to engage in social activities. So something, of course, we've all been starved for. I was at actually like the legal largest group gathering I could be at. I was at like a 10 person thing yesterday and it was amazing. It was so exciting and, and just filled me with energy. So I'm a pretty planned and organized person. In essence, I plan to work. I plan to work a lot. I plan to work more, but I also very much plan to step away and plan to take a break and plan to give myself some mental breathing space. And we encourage our team to do the same. It's do the work, get the work done, but enjoy your weekend, enjoy your summers, whatever. I like what you said there around planning to take your time because that's that's exactly what I do as well. I schedule my gym time because that's that is my time. That's my Zen time. And I'll come back to work after it, right? Because as knowledge workers that all of us would be, my workday is not nine to five, right? So it's 24 seven for the most part. So I think scheduling that time is really important because as you know, Evan, once you hop on your computer, I mean, you can be on that screen all day. So unless you're scheduling that time, I think that's, I think that's really solid advice. This has been an awesome episode. I'm going to thank Christine again for the introduction, because I think what you're doing is really cool. I think there's a lot of alignment with what we're doing on the employee benefit side. And I think when this episode gets released, we're going to have a lot of interest in in people and finding how do they create that experience. So thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at a board? I think honestly, go to our website, but getaboard.co. You can sign up for our service if you want to just see what all the platform, how that works and looks, or book some time. And I would love the opportunity to talk with you, to meet with you. You will be meeting with me. I promise there's no one else. So yeah, feel free to go to the website, grab some time to connect, or if you just want to check out the Aboard platform, you know, enroll right away. All right, that does it for today's episodes. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues, my friends. And remember, it all starts with one.